Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Well, we'll see. That's very, very ominous yeah. to the show. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, director of Mission USA Productions. I, I'm, I'm quite certain that, that I am the director of Mission USA Productions. I, I don't think there's any uncertainty about that. It'd be nice if everyone else felt that kind of concrete reality. <laughs> Join us all in Brooklyn, Tennessee, when the pastor trashed me a church the younger. Before we started recording, Glenn complimented Jed's socks, and he That's didn't true. compliment anybody else's socks. Well, well, there's a message there. Yeah, I think get the hint. Up your sock game. <laughs> yeah, people. <laughs> Glenn has surprisingly high sock standards. That's right. It's true. Uh, also, it's th- here's another truth. You know how sometimes uh, you have like a fellowship of different Christians, your Bible study, your mm. youth group, whatever it is, and there's someone in the, the, the group that has a problem or a struggle, mm-hmm. and then you like talk behind their back about it for like right. a long time, and then you hope they figure it out on their own, and then right. it builds, and it builds, and builds, and builds. Right. That's not what we do. No. So, for example, if you have shoes <laughs> oh, that are so dilapidated and awful that they make people depressed when they see them. Mm. Just hypothetically. 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 You will hear about that. Sure. Yes. So that's, uh, you know. Glenn will harness the power of after-school special-level peer pressure bullying. (laughs) To change your behavior. On his staff. So they're better, because if the shoes aren't keeping out water, they're not functioning issues anymore. That's my point. Sure. We got a great show. We got a a couple of good questions. We also have... Another interview this week. We had a wonderful interview with Jed's wife, Hallie, last week. A lot of great stuff there. This week, we're talking to uh, Daniel Biro, who is one of the uh, founding members of a band called Hawk Nelson, whose new record is coming out. Uh, it's good, re- a lot of fun stuff in the music. And Daniel was a really fun guy to talk to. Um, a little peek behind the the promotional curtain for the people. Ah, um, Often, people we hear us talk to on the podcast, pick up their musicians with like a thing coming out. So it's kind of time sensitive. They're uh they're they're assembly lining these interviews. It's okay. like, you know, I'm right. sitting here, I'm talking to, you know, I'm talking to, you know, Slappy and the Weasel in the morning in, in Arizona, and then I got, you know, this thing over here, and they'll just line them up in 20, 30 minute blocks. Now I, uh, much like all of us in Chicago, am not one of the morning people. Mm, right. So when the publicists email me and say, What time are you talk to this? I'm always like, How's a soft three feel to you? <laughs> so and I often get bargained down to like eleven AM or something, especially depending on time zones and whatnot. Right, so right. as was the case with with, with uh, Brother Daniel. And normally it's just kinda, you know, it's it's understood. It's one of those things where it's just, you know, we all got here as soon as we could. Let's just, you know, let's just get moving. There's no big deal. But uh Brother Daniel who who hails from our neighbor to the north. He's a Canadian I mean, gentleman. No, was I thought you we were going to say Wisconsin. They are technically our neighbor, and they are north. Well, that's true. I was speaking in the, in the national, right? Well, this is not a local Chicago uh, production, so I was speaking right. for I was speaking for the nation, as I often do. What did yeah. Wisconsin do to hurt you, Matt? A lot. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, <laughs> the arteries will never be the same. That's you know, cheese true. doesn't cost extra. <laughs> it's very I, aggressive. It's always difficult dealing with people who live on the other side of the cheddar curtain. That's right. <laughs> That's right. There's just there just needs to be healing. 
tear down this wall that's made of cheese. That's right. <laughs> anyway, I'm talking to him, and he calls, and he's, he's a few minutes behind, which is no problem. Right. Again, this happens all the time, so I pick up the phone and say, you know, she gets to talk to you, so I apologize for being late, to which I respond, oh, it's no problem, you know, and this is the first, if, oh, it's a problem, and I apologize. I should not be late. And that was a moment where I actually had to say to a person I was about to do an interview with, this very successful musician, you can, you can relax on the Canadianness, right? I don't know if there's like a customs. <laughs> I got you, officer. A, yeah, yeah, I got you at a nine. I need you at about a seven. There's only yeah. so much politeness that someone who lives in Chicago can handle, right? Yeah. right. I don't know if you got like if there's a mounty over your shoulder, like monitoring, right? You know, knock twice if you need help, right? But right. we can just relax on the Canadianness. But it's right. a very nice chat, and he's right. a very nice fellow. Okay. Oh, well, that's if we're happy with it, I will. Uh, on that basis, I declare an emergency. I had a feeling that might happen. Is it a Canadian emergency? It, it's I've had enough of Canada emergency. <laughs> okay. Uh oh. Is this okay. about you? Really bacon? dodged a bullet, Wisconsin. Let me. Let me. Oh, I'm You're getting, next. I'm getting to Wisconsin. Believe me, because they're. You know what it is? They're like suspect. They're it's so basically close. the Canada yeah. of the Great Lakes. Exactly right. Thank you. Well, okay. Here's what. Here's what it is. Uh, I've just had enough. Okay. Okay. First of all. Uh, Canada, or as I like to call them, America's hat. Yes. You you were not familiar with the phrase neighbor to the north, but America's hat, you're trying to get that yeah, one. Yeah, that's, that's catching on. People are, that's what everybody's saying now. <laughs> well, all the cool people, anyway. Well, okay, here's what it is. is uh, first of all, you got the, the Trudeau. Right. He's in charge up yeah. there. Uh, I think they call him Ice King. Sure, in, probably. In, in Canada. I don't know what the, you know, what the nomenclature is. <laughs> But he's, he's a king beyond the wall. That's, yes. you know, that kind of thing. Well, and what it is is, uh, you know, he's pretty in the face. Sure. And it's like, you know, we get it. Yeah. You know, like, fine. Yeah. We don't we don't need that. Yeah. And then he's, like, smart. Yeah, sophisticated. Uh, yeah. We, well read. Okay, you know, uh, so whatever. Yeah. You know, okay, we don't need to hear about it. Yeah. We just, you know, it's fine. Engages in competent governance, yeah, like a jerk. Like, you're, it's like you're doing that to make us feel bad. And it's working. And it's working. Okay? We've had it. Yeah. Okay. Also, and I've said this before on the show, and I stand by it, uh, uh, all Canadians are liars. Now, here's... <laughs> you, just, you just slid that bit in. Here's, what, here's, what it, here's why. Because, you know, uh, you go... And order a pizza, and you yeah. say, the, the pizza guy says, you want Canadian bacon on that? And you say, bacon? That sounds great. I think that's yeah. just bacon that's been slathered in maple syrup. Exactly right. And bring it on. That's what I want. Sure. Then you guess what happens? They gave you ham. <laughs> Whatever. And that's what you call a lie. Yeah. Okay? That's, if, you're, if that's what you're on. Also, here's another thing. They have Thanksgiving. Wrong Thanksgiving. That's right. They are trying to say, you, you, like you say to Canadian, Happy Thanksgiving, when yeah. it's Thanksgiving, and they say, no. Yeah. They're just living in an alternate reality, man. They got Boxing Day. There's no boxing on it. They, nobody boxes anybody on Boxing Day. That's a day I would celebrate. I would love to see boxing, on, like everybody box each other. Yeah. You know, it's about, it's Christmas is well, over. Well, you can come to Christmas at my house. That's really <laughs> yeah. what you want. <laughs> Put on the boxing gloves, Grandma. It's Boxing Day. Yeah. 
Yeah. That would be awesome. Right. Dude, yes. That's a holiday. But it's see, they don't know any boxing. Lie. Yeah. Here's a here's a question I have on this is do we have proof or not that that whole poutine thing is is not them trying to make it up to Glenn? Yeah, that's uh first of all they I have they have many food related things that are also this is another thing. They think Tim Hortons is like the thing. In fairness, Tim Hortons is pretty amazing. They're not entirely wrong. I got a side of a chocolate glazed donut with my chicken sandwich. But have you been to Tim Hortons? Okay, but it's true. Falling apart in front of you, like so many delicious crullers. (laughs) Here's what. Here's what I'm saying. Because I had like an Oreo donut at Tim Hortons. Oh, and it was like the best donut I've the, ever see, had. That's what makes Canada terrible, is they keep being better than us. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had it. Polite, smart, pretty in the face. Everybody makes sense. Competent. You know, they're just competent. Yeah. There's no there's no insanity happening up there. It's just you know, here's a, a maple glazed thing and whatever, and and enjoy it because we have beavers on our money. Yeah. Now, I don't know what's happening with yeah. all that. Uh, also, here's another thing. Sometimes you get like a penny. Yeah. You think, that's a penny. You right. look at it, Canadian penny. Yeah. Shaped just like ours. You think that's a mistake? <laughs> Heck no, dude. They're, they're sending their pennies down. Yeah. Trying to infiltrate. Infiltrate. It's it's an invasion. It's trade war is what it is. That's what, right. This is what you call insurgency. That's right. Okay. So that's happening. That's they're they're blending in. You don't even know. You can be talking no. to Canadian right now. You don't even know. That's right. Do you think that's a, a just a, a coincidence? Heck no. They're sending their you know the Celine Dion's in there and like uh, 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 Justin Bieber's and it's like you. you I believe think, the term is Celine's Dion. Yeah, and you're like. Uh, it's like, you know, you're like, oh, okay. That's how they get you. Yeah, that's right. It's an invasion. Yeah, yeah. So uh, forget it. Well, and if you're, if you're comfortable declaring emergency off on that, then um, I would like to just point out that once again, we are happy to be part of that by uh, interviewing Brother Daniel later on the show. Sure, seems like a great dude. And that's another thing. Okay. <laughs> the, here's here's what it is. The, first of all, uh, the Canadians, when they they're super polite, right? Yeah. Well, that's allegedly okay. Okay. Here's well, what I, ha- I had a firsthand experience of it that I started the show with. Well, he- here's what it is. They say sorry. Okay. It, they don't say they're sorry. They say they're sorry. Right. And that, if you look it up in a Canadian dictionary, yeah, that means screw you. Okay. I don't. I don't think it so, does. I don't think they have Canadian dictionaries, Glenn. Well, that's what they want you to think. <laughs> I was gonna think. I was gonna think maybe you'd be more comfortable if they pronounce it in a in a kind of Midwestern Illinois way, which I guess would be sorry. Yeah. But then I realized I've never heard anyone in this town say that word. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. The, the closest we have to an apology in the Midwest is kicking you in the shins more gently. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, like if if uh, like if, if you just uh, uh, hit someone with a truck, you you might say, "My bad." Yeah. That's yeah. like that would be the 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 yeah. the most from the heart. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then you get sideswiped on Lakeshore Drive, you would get like the half of the outside hand wave. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, the other half was still holding the cell phone. That's right. Yeah. That's right. 
So welcome to Chicago. Get out of the way. <laughs> that's that's really true. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying: as long as we're clear that uh, that on just how unbelievably unacceptable Canadians are for being better than us in basically every way. In basically every way, I can declare emergency off. Well, that Absolutely. seems very merciful of you. Yeah. I can think of nothing that sums up white Christian people more, American Christian people, than saying, why don't y'all just come down to our level? That's right. That's right. That'll be creeping <laughs> us out by being better than us at this thing we clearly need to improve at. Yeah. Just stay down here with the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty much it. Um, what, and here's the thing, folks. We, we, we're not a polite organization. No. I mentioned in the last episode that there may, there may be a... Calling out and threats to get people to clap. Yep. Uh, Glenn may occasionally in a sermon say a thing he knows to be wrong to set a trap for the audience for agreeing with him, at which point he can call them out for agreeing with him. Yeah. But we do our best to uh, to put our best foot and gentlest foot forward with Bridgebox. Ooh, yes, we there's do. no there's no hidden traps in there. Usually, no intentionally <laughs> hidden traps in there. There may occasionally be a link that I forgot to change to the other thing in the email, but. That's just a little bonus. Sure. We don't think of that as a trap. It's an adventure. It's it's entirely straightforward. You get your sermons and your songs and all sorts of stuff based around a topic. We're coming in to the month of April, where we actually did something a little different with this month's Bridgebox topic. We looked at the idea. It's a ministry principle that Glenn teaches around here that you may have heard us talk about on the show. You may have heard other stuff called earning the right to be heard. So we mm-hmm. had a question about that. So you get sermons that Glenn and I preached on that. You get songs all about listening and earning the right to be heard and how to apply that to uh, people you deal with in your everyday life. Very cool stuff. And the best thing about Bridgebox is all the money people give to support it goes directly to funding our part-time employees, our deacons who do things like give folks housing, jobs, 12-step meetings, get them taken to church and do a lot of amazing ministry on Tuesday nights at the Bridge. If you want to check it out for yourself, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. Hang us all the way to the end. I'll give some ways to get in touch. This first question comes in anonymously, and it says... Luke 10, 27 says to give your all to God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Apparently, I'm dishonoring these two things because I hate myself. But does that mean I am fully incapable of loving others? Because I do kind of consider myself a loving person. I'm glad I'd love to get you to start us off here. I think there's a lot going on in this question, and it is. I think the crux of it to me is this idea of I'm doing this one thing wrong, and I feel bad about it. That gives me so much more to feel bad about. Right. We're on a little bit of a slippery slope here, maybe, with our thinking. Yeah, well, as as I often say in counseling situations, well, dang, what's wrong with you? That's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, if you hate yourself, for heaven's sake, you know what's going on there. But here's there are a lot of people in counseling situations with Glenn who say the thing that normally gets them an oh from yeah. their pastor, and they are really disturbed when it doesn't go that way. That's right. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is let's be fair to you, most of us are uh, harder on ourselves than we are on other people. Mm-hmm. That's not a good thing. That's not, uh, uh, that's not as it should be, uh, but it is uh, common. A, a common thing. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're not uh, uh, going to single you out in, 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 in the sense that that's uh, unusually bad. But if you, if you do have a certain amount of self-hatred, what that does is it keeps you from understanding other mm-hmm. people, and under, of course, understanding yourself. Having understanding is a big part of, of being loving. That's Those two go together. The problem is uh, you can sort of simulate that to yourself by saying, 
here's someone who's doing something awful, and rather than loving them or forgiving them or understanding why they do it, I just say, oh, that's not so bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, they probably mean well. Oh, they're probably doing the best that they can. Oh, I don't mind being horribly mistreated by this person. <laughs> that's not love at all. That's not being loving at all. You're, if, if you are allowing other people to mistreat you, you're not being loving towards yourself. So um, none of that has anything to do with understanding. In fact, that's pushing away understanding and explaining away what you are seeing in, in the, because you don't want to see it. Uh, having understanding means that you look at people warts and all. You see their good signs, but you see their bad signs, and you're able to look at all of that, and you're able to balance that out. Now, there's many times uh, we as a, as a staff will be talking about um, uh, you know, somebody that that is having struggles. That's a lot of what we do is we're trying to work with this guy, uh, you know, a pastor or a denominational leader or somebody like this. And we we say, you'll often hear us say stuff like, I love this guy, and I think he's great, and he has all the potential in the world. But man, he drives me up a tree because of X, Y, Z, and PDQ. Because it, the, it, in order to help people and love people, you have to kind of see all those different things mm-hmm. and understand how they interplay with each other. And, and that's the goal, I think, for you, is being understanding towards yourself and understanding towards others. That's about going to God and getting wisdom, but it's also about uh, giving yourself a break. Uh, Finally, I would say, here's the question I'd like you to ask yourself, Uh, and and this might be a bit uh, uh, of a deep question, but here's what I want you to ask yourself is, do you think God is a fool for loving you? Mm -hmm. Is God a fool for loving you? If you don't think that you're lovable, if you don't love yourself, then does that mean God's uh, uh, unwise and and absurd and silly, whatever else, for loving you? If that's the case, then you're going to have a bit of static in your relationship with God because you you, you don't think of him as wise. You don't think of him as having sense and understanding and being smart about things. Uh, God is not a fool for loving you. Uh, there are reasons why God loves you. I want you to sit down and go over those reasons with him and think about it, pray about it, write it down, uh, get into that, because as you unlock that for yourself, you'll be able to then see that uh, of, of why God loves other people and be able to come from that place. And this way, we're not running from anything. That's a really, really fantastic place to start this off and really gives us a good grounding to push through through here. And Lee, let's look at this aspect of um, this idea of to love your neighbor as yourself. Because yeah. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of things in there to trip us up. This is maybe a little different angle than the way we uh, normally look at that. But there's, there's a really good idea at the root here. And I think uh, this person may be taking that a little too uh, limitingly. Yeah, I think this is an, this is really interesting. The, the way that they kind of pose the question, I'm supposed to love people as I love myself. I don't really like myself. Um, I, I don't, you know, like like Glenn saying that, you know, I, I haven't really figured out how to see myself as a as a lovable person. Um, this is a this is a really interesting problem as we look at this. And and as I was thinking about it, one of the things that that we that we need to do to kind of change the shape of this situation is. 
If you were receiving the kind of love that you would hope for, if you had the kind of friendships that gave you life, if you had, if, uh, if you had the kind of community that you were excited to hang out with and that kind of stuff, uh, in other words, asking yourself the question, how would I want to receive love? How would I want other people to take care of me? What are, if I was to sit down with a good friend, what are the kinds of questions I would want that friend to ask me about myself um, if we were to just have a conversation? One of the things that that is a very that it's a very typical part of of certain friendships is that you may find yourself uh, maybe you're just one of these people that you're the kind of person that in most of your friendships you do all the question asking um, you do all the outreach and those friends don't ask you questions about yourself well when you come home and you're by yourself you know how you would have wanted to be treated in that situation. Yeah, maybe when you look in the mirror, you're not at a place where you you love who you see yet. And and you're you're kind of getting started on this process that Glenn's talking about of trying to trying to realize what is it that God loves about me when he sees me? Why am I a lovable person? But at the same time, I think you probably know how you would want to be treated by some friends, by a community, by someone. And so when we look at this this kind of idea of love love your neighbor as yourself, well, let's treat people um, the way that you imagine that you would want good friends to treat you, the way that you imagine a good community, you would want them to take care of you, to, to, to come around you when you're having a hard time. This is a, a concept that we've talked about on the show many times before, just in ministry. What we want to do is, when we're confused about where we are, when we don't know what to do, we need to give away the thing that we want to get. Um, maybe you feel like you can't figure out how to love yourself right now, and yet you know the kind of love that you would want to receive. That's the kind of attention. Those are the kind of questions. That's the way we want to care about other folks as we reach out. That's, in a way, even if, you, even if you're feeling weird about your own self and weird about your own self-worth and stuff like that, in a way, that's the way that you can love people as yourself, because you know at a deep place, how you would like to be cared about, how you would like people to come around you. And so those are the kind of questions that we want to ask as we seek to love people as ourselves. It's a really, really good point. And Jed, I think one of the things that both Glenn and Lee are bringing out here is that just beyond that uh, love your neighbor as yourself as a command, which it's yeah. in there and it is to be taken that way, but I think there is something, another layer under there that is there uh, that idea that there's going to inherently be a connection between the way you treat and feel about other people and the way you treat and feel about yourself. Yeah. And that, uh, that works both as a prescriptive as these guys are talking about, you know, if you, if you think, if you find yourself unlovable, that is going to be limiting in both your relationship to God and your relationship to other people. And I think there's also a way of just understanding there. As I guess what I'm saying here is the way, the th- reasons you feel certain ways about other people might be helpful in figuring out why you feel certain ways about yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. I think what we want, you're absolutely right. And what we want to avoid is a situation where we say, I hate myself. That is my status. That will probably be pretty much disqualifying in my pursuit to love other people. So uh, pretty much I'm just out of luck and I am awful. And now I hate myself more. We've created a feedback loop. Um, What in any spiritual problem, I think this is actually going to relate to our final question today too. 
we have to take one piece at a time. We don't have to get all of this sorted out in one go. We don't have to get all of this fixed in one go. But, but we do want to start to make progress in a good and healthy direction. So when you wrote in, I have your, your note in front of us. And when you say that you hate yourself, you have hate in all caps as a form of textual emphasis. So you super duper hate yourself. So let's let's not worry about other people for a second. Let's just start there with the fact that you hate yourself. Okay. Well, let's talk about the nature of hate for a moment because um, it's there's usually a reason behind it. There, there's usually a logic to it. And in general, this isn't always true, but but oftentimes when we hate either ourselves or others, hate comes from a sense of misplaced blame is what's driving that. So a super simple and current example of that is it for people who say, well, I just hate immigrants. Well, okay. Why, why, whether it's right or wrong hint, it's super, super wrong, but why do you hate immigrants? Well, I don't have a job and I want to have a job. And I believe that all the, I don't have a job because all the jobs are taken by immigrants. Therefore I hate immigrants. Okay. Um, again, hate, super, super wrong, but we can track the logic here that you feel like this has taken something away from me and I hate this person for that. But the problem is this misplaced blame. This person has not taken a job away from you at all. Mountains of sociological evidence to prove that to be true. My feelings about the billionaire hedge fund that uh, closed down the factory. Oh, it's surprisingly warm. Yeah. Uh, weird how that works. But so hate and blame tend to be tied together. And again, very, very often misplaced blame. You know, blame that, that is being pointed at the wrong target so often results in in hate. So the thing that I would ask you, I think Glenn asked you an amazing question. Is God a fool for loving you? Another question that I would encourage you right alongside that to meditate on is what are you blaming yourself for? Let's actually be specific. What is so wrong with you? What what awful thing have you done or failed to do uh, that, that makes you so bad? Because I think there probably are some specific things there. And I think if we start to get into it, what we may find is this is misplaced blame. I, I'll give an example of, of what I mean that, that might be a little bit more appropriate to your situation. A certain number of people who hate themselves and, and put it in all caps when they write notes about it um, have very difficult relationships with their parents and they feel like a disappointment to their parents. Their parents had a set of of expectations of what their child would achieve and their child has not achieved that and they feel a great sense of pain and torment off of that and they hate themselves. All right. That we can we can track the logic whether it's good or bad. Here's the thing. If you're born and the expectation that your parents put on you your whole life is you need to be an Air Force test pilot but you wear glasses, then we have a problem. You are not going to be able to do this thing, this expectation that they are placing on you. Therefore, you, for you to blame, you don't have any control over your eyesight. For you to blame yourself off of that would be misplaced blame right. in the exact same way as someone who says, I hate immigrants because they took all the jobs and I don't have a job. If we track this down, not only do we want to figure out what am I blaming myself for? We want to ask the question, is this misplaced blame? Am I carrying a burden? Am I carrying a sense of ownership here that doesn't belong? If we will do that hard work, I suspect we will get to a place where we find it much, much easier to love and forgive and accept ourselves. And as we learn to love and forgive and accept ourselves pretty organically, I think we're going to learn how to love and forgive and accept other people far more effectively. That is all a lot of really smart, really great stuff on what can be a complicated topic, and it is complicated, not really in the sense of intellectually complicated, but there are always layers to pull away on stuff like this. So these guys give you a lot of really good stuff, both to start and to continue thinking about. 
as you continue to move through that. And as always, hit a snag. Just let us know, and we'll be happy to take another round on it. All right, we're going to take you right now to our interview with Daniel Biro of Hawk Nelson. Really good chat with him about the record, the band, uh, some fun kind of behind-the-scenes music stuff. Take that right now. I'd love to, we'll get into the, the music of Miracles uh, in a minute because I, there's a lot of really cool stuff you guys are doing in the record, but I was looking through kind of the stuff that your your, your publicity people sent over, and it seems like there's uh, some very good reason that it took this long for the next Hawk Nelson record to come out. There's there's a lot of story between the last record and this one, and how was that for you? Man, it's been three years since Diamonds, uh, which is... You know, it's a bit of time. Um, it's just like a lot of time. A lot can change in three years. And so, yeah, our singer, John, uh, had his first son and, you know, no sleep. I guess it takes a toll on you. <laughs> um, yeah, I had like a couple operations for this tumor that was in my leg. Uh, David, our drummer, got into photography. Our, our guitarist got into music production uh it's just like life is carrying us all in different directions but at the same time this band is what uh keeps us together <laughs> yeah so it's and you had to stay off the road for a little while because of the uh the tumor thing right yeah i missed like a hundred shows we calculated it uh not too long ago but i always had like another bass player on like those tours with, uh, that would like fill in for me like super awesome guys like Ruben from 10th Avenue North or uh, Dustin Daniels from Finding Favor. Those guys were like awesome to just be there for me. Now, well, did that affect kind of, so when it was time, finally time to sit down and, and do the new record and get started the next tour, were you just, did you have to knock some rust off or were you just raring to go? <laughs> um, I would say a little bit of both, if sure. I'm being honest. <laughs> There's a little rust. <laughs> but, uh, you know, enough laser beams and stuff, and it covers it up. <laughs> sure, that's that's the very good reason to have laser beams. <laughs> yeah, we even bought little sharks to, like, mount underneath them. So we've got <laughs> sharks with laser wow. beams on their heads. <laughs> that's, you know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of laser beams going on in Christian stuff right now. I mean, I guess it's kind of normal light. I think you're the guys, you guys are the first ones I've heard of who've gone full shark with it. Oh, yeah, man. That was like the first thing I did. I was like, we got to order. So we got a hammerhead, we've got a jaguar shark, we got a couple other kinds. I don't know. I mean, that right there, even if the music wasn't great, which it is, that's, I mean, that's enough reason to come out to a show right there. Oh, yeah. Like, full on. That's like, that's the main part of the show. <laughs> you got to see the dream realized of sharks with laser beams. <laughs> uh, good times. Yeah, man, I'm grateful to be back. And uh, we're just finishing a tour right now with Colton Dixon and Sarah Reeves. It's been a lot of fun. Well, when you sat down to get actually in the studio to record the record, was there, did you guys all have ideas? Was it, you know, we want to, because there's some different sounds going on on this record than maybe what people necessarily know from you was it uh, just a lot of did you have an idea of what you wanted to do or was it fun to just get in the studio and play around with stuff yeah i think it was like a combination of like because it came together over such a longer period of time like people's musical influences were kind of changing and uh like micah our guitarist 
uh, wrote and produced on it as well as John, our singer. So, and we used a lot of different producers that we hadn't worked with before. So like you have like a more of a diverse kind of influence on this album than, than on previous ones where it's usually just like, you know, one producer for the whole album. So, uh, I kind of I kind of like it. Like sometimes I can seem not coherent, but I feel like with this one it kind of worked out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess we're kind of in an era of Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff and it's I've heard a lot of people say it's more of a song by song based enterprise now than full albums, but it's cool to have, you know, an album that holds together and has a bit of a vision to it. Yeah, I agree. It's it's tough because yeah, it's it's a balance, man. Like you want every song to matter on its own, but then uh, sometimes, yeah, you just want that song on a record. That's like, it's not going to be a single. It's just like a cool album song, you know? Absolutely. You got to have something that the, uh, the people who bought the album can feel, feel like they really got it over on the people who just heard it on the radio. Totally. And there, there should be more to a project than just like three and a half minutes, you know? Totally. Well, and you've been, Hawk Nelson's been around for, you guys are coming up on 17, 18 years now, right? Dude, it's craziness. Uh, I mean, it's been like, I'll, I'll just say 15 years. Okay. It makes me feel a little younger. Absolutely. <laughs> we can we can shave the uh, the numbers all you want. <laughs> nice. Still a while, though. It goes quick. Yeah, I haven't, haven't been doing it for that long. I guess you, you have seen, you know, all this change in the way people consume music and the way music gets made and what's it like to have kind of that, to have seen those changes. Is it a certain amount of pining for, I really, really wish we could just, you know, sell CDs and physical media. Or is it exciting as kind of new avenues and tips and tricks come along? Man, it's been, it's been, a, it's been interesting because I remember when we started, people were like seeing that change into like, digital uh platforms and apple music and um well itunes i guess um and it was still still very much yeah cds and then recently like um this isn't totally related but my wife and i have we're looking at uh cars and you know they don't come with cd players anymore and uh you know here we are making an album pressing cds and i'm like thinking to myself why why are we pressing CDs if they, no one makes CD players anymore? Um, even her computer didn't come with one. So it was like, it is changing. The medium is, is changing, but music, you know, music's been around for thousands of years. It's going to be around for thousands of years. And if you want to, you know, be a viable artist, you just have to learn to kind of change with the times. And, and so, um, you know, that's streaming right now is like kind of the big thing. Um, John, our singer, has really got into video production. So he has been working on, uh, he just finished his fourth video for this record that's going to go live tonight. And, you know, people can stream the video and helps get music out there. Plus, it's just like a visual element, which is cool. So, yeah, we've seen a lot of changes. But as long as you're willing to kind of roll with the punches, I feel like you'll always continue to kind of have an audience. It's a really cool attitude. Speaking of the videos, I did see the uh, the lyric video for Miracles, and I have to ask, how was Iceland? Oh, dude, it was awesome. We just we were like, okay, we got to do a music video, um, but you know, performance videos like standing on a 
stage, look rocking out. That's kind of boring. Um, I feel like that day is kind of coming on. Um, and so John was saying like this album's about miracles and it's like supernatural and the kind of like out of this world and where could we capture that? And, and uh, I guess Iceland kind of embodies that with all of its like weird volcanic kind of rock formations and stuff. And uh, man, I would highly recommend it. We decided to take the budget and just like, let's go to Iceland for a week. I think it was like five days. And we were just like, let's just capture our own like adventure of, tra- of traveling. And, and that's it. That's essentially it. <laughs> that is the way to spend a music video budget right there. Yeah, it was so cool, man. And you can do it. Like it's a, it's a, it's kind of become a hotspot, obviously. Like it's, it's kind of really pricey, but if you, we did an off season and, you know, booked an Airbnb and we all crashed in one, like, uh, place together and you know we rented like a van and drove ourselves it was just like fun uh, I, i'd recommend it that's super cool well let's let's close out by talking about the the song that you did the video for and it's, it's the single that's available now is miracles it does you know it sounds like there was a lot behind getting to that thought and you guys really came through i mean i guess if you, when you take three years between records you have to there has to be a moment where you think maybe this is all going to go away. And if it, when it doesn't, it sounds like this is kind of the, uh, the thought that culminates from that. Yeah, man, for sure. Like, um, maybe for other artists, maybe they have easier journeys. We actually, uh, we, we have a producer friend. I, I can't remember who, but he said like all of the best records like are like, really hard they were really hard to make that mm. doesn't mean like if if a record's hard to make it's going to be an awesome record necessarily yeah. but not but but like none of the great records were like just like easy to make if that makes sense sure. and so uh, i think that i'm not even saying that this is great or not great of a record i'm but it was very hard <laughs> um and and, and and so you know it wasn't necessarily just coming together super smoothly and john had his son and you know, that's just a big change with no sleep. And, and so I remember just like, dude, like this is, this could be a hit. Like, I think this, you just need to take a break, go home and, you know, maybe we'll call each other up again. Maybe we won't. I don't know. Like, <laughs> but, um, you know, it was like that moment where God was like, okay, finally, like, you know, when you give it up, that's when like he can actually do something. Um, and, and so that's when the songs started coming together for this record. So yeah, man, uh, if anyone's listening, like sometimes being in a hard place, isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think, um, I think that God can really use those moments as like defining moments in your life when you actually like surrender what you're doing to him. That's really fantastic. And since you're too humble to say it, I will say it. The song is great. I'm sure the record will be great as well. <laughs> you can get the song now wherever you download or stream music. The full album, Miracles, comes out on April 6th. Daniel Biro, thanks so much for taking the time. Oh, Matt King, I'm sorry that I called nine minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, brother. All right, we want to say a big thank you to Daniel for sitting down with us. That was a, a very good talk. You can get Miracles, the single now, and Miracles, the album. It's helpfully titled the same thing. 
uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, anywhere you buy music Friday, April 6th. So check that out. And uh, you can go to hawknelson.com for more info. They are currently on tour, and this very rarely happens. But we do have news for our friends in the Philippines. Ooh. Oh. Wow. If you check out hawknelson.com, if you're down, they're going to be in Manila in August, I believe it is. So uh, there you go. Rock we, out. We know we have listeners in the Manila area. Oh, yeah. And we, we've Bunch never been able to promote a concert to them before. So this is a first. Hawk on. Very happy with that. No, well done. Thank you. We're going to move on to our final question here. This came in anonymously. It says, I feel frustrated with where I'm at and I'm ready to move on to whatever is next. Feel overwhelmed by the fact that I have to get a job, get housing. and I don't want to be around the drama in my situation right now. What can I do? And Lee, why don't you kick us off? Uh, Yeah, this is an awesome question. And there's a lot in here. And a lot of different places to take this. One of the things that occurs to me is that for most of us in our society, we're kind of trained from a young age to really value big, huge, sweeping results. So like the, uh, you know, the, the, the sports team's record at the end of the season. That's kind of the big thing that we value and we're aiming for to celebrate or our grades over an entire semester or the the raise that we get after a year of work or something like that. And w- one thing that that does is when when you get trained on that mindset, it can make it feel like the only things worth celebrating are really really huge life changes. But for a person in recovery, for a person who is moving out of an old stuck situation into a whole new thing, that process takes a long time. It takes a long time to get to a place where you have a, a huge uh, huge swing in status, but you do have a lot of little steps along the way. And one of the things that that occurs to me is that the the cool thing about where this question asker is, is that you can actually kind of reframe your thinking and start to focus on and celebrate small victories as they come. So you know, getting up, getting dressed, applying for a job, making a job interview on time. This is stuff that feels like small things, but these are actually huge victories. Um, and it, it, it's, a, it's a weird thing for our mindset because we're used to only feeling like we are allowed to celebrate stuff that is absolutely huge and everybody recognizes as huge. But when we're in, when we're coming out of, you know, a bad situation and in a recovery situation, every little step that we take is a step worth celebrating. And as far as, as far as your relationship with Jesus goes, he is the one that's standing in front of you, celebrating every single one of those steps. And so when we have, um, a a little line that we cross a little victory, those are things worth those are things worth celebrating. They're things worth recognizing as a big deal. Even though, the, even though some people may see it as a small deal, those are a big deal. And the cool thing about that is, is that you got a lot of steps to work. And so you got a lot of things to celebrate. You have the right to do that. We're behind you. We believe in you. And, and that's a cool thing. It's not a bad thing, but it's a cool thing that we've got so many little things to celebrate, so many little results to, to feel proud of ourselves on. And that's a good thing. It absolutely is. I think it's a fantastic place to start off. And Jeb, let me get you to pick up that thread that Lee's uh, given us here, that a lot of this is not about doing more. Mm. It sounds like, you know, this person is in some sort of motion, but um, as we talked about in in our first question there, recontextualizing what success is going to be. There's yeah. 
moving this from a, what we might say in a, kind of a, an accomplishment based thing to looking more at the process. Yeah. So how do we start to look at that? What do we make our goals? Well, you know, anytime that we have kind of a big, hairy problem to solve, you know, something that, that is overwhelming and it's, it's multifaceted and, you know, we don't know your situation, but you, you've got to get a job and you've got to get housing and your current living situation is dramatic and whatnot. It's one of those things that it all feels urgent. It all feels rough. It all feels bad. But of course, we can only do one thing at a time in, in any given day. We only have 24 hours to work with. So we, in a fairly literal sense, we can't solve all of these problems at once. So what do we do? So what becomes really important is making sure that we know what the one next step to take is. Um, if we don't know what the one next step to take is, we do have a real problem. And that becomes our next step is, is answering that question. But I mean, just to, to give you a preview of coming attractions, if you don't currently have a job, but you also have to get housing, it will be very hard to get housing while you don't have a job. One, one of these will almost certainly need to come before the other. So, um, we might want to look at, uh, do we know what's involved in getting a job? Do we have a resume? Do we have an outfit for interviews? Do we, you know, uh, do we have an ID that we can use when we fill out the applications, these kind of things. If you're not sure how to approach that stuff, um, this is actually a great place where some combination of a counselor, a social worker, um, a case manager from perhaps some form of shelter, um, a pastor, a youth pastor would be really great people to talk to and get some wisdom and insight on what the most pressing next step in your life would be. So that's that's kind of thing one is breaking everything down into just what's the one next thing that I need to do. And then the question is, are you engaged in taking that step? Do you know what it is and are you actively engaged in the process of taking it? If you know what the next step is and you are fully committed to taking it, then a couple things become true. The first is we're getting where we're going as well as anybody anywhere is. We, we are as much on a forward journey as anybody anywhere in the world is. We may be farther back in terms of, you know, uh, uh, how far along in the journey, but we are, we are as committed to that journey as anybody else is and as anybody could ask us to be. That's, that's thing one. Thing two, and this is really important, is if we know what the next step is and we're taking it, I think we owe it to ourselves to breathe a huge sigh of relief and let ourselves relax a little bit. Yeah. One of the things about dealing with overwhelming problems is it's easy to get in a space where it feels like we just have to hold our breath till we've got all this fixed. We've, we've got to just kind of be tense and carry all the stress until we get to the point where we've got everything fixed. And that's a bad idea. That's kind of a recipe for, if nothing else, for being exhausted where we don't need to be and in, in places where we need to um, conserve our strength. If we are, if we know the step and we're taking the step, then let yourself relax because you will get where you're going. And that's, and that's really the third thing. If you're pointed in the right direction and you're moving in that direction, you will get where you're going. It, it may take time, but we have every reason to have confidence. And should we get stuck, then we, it's a rinse and repeat thing. If we get stuck, it's saying, do I really know what the next step is? Maybe I need to go get some wisdom from somebody else on 
breaking down that next step. And I should say with your specific situation, your specific life, write to us. If you're not, if you've got specific stuff you're dealing with and you're not sure what to do, you're not sure where to go with it. Uh, say that at gmail.com. Say that podcast at gmail.com. Say that podcast at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. We would love to talk about the specifics of your situation. Absolutely. I think we all learned at what point in the outro Jed tunes out. That's right. Uh, but there's a lot of, a lot of really good stuff there, Glenn. And one of the things that's occurring to me is, as Jed's talking about this, is there's very, this is very much a problem we might get at the bridge. Right. This is somebody, you know, I'm moving out. Of, I'm either getting out of jail or moving out of transitional housing. So I got all this stuff, but it might just as well apply to someone who is um, getting out of grad school and going to a new city. Sure. Got to get all this stuff. And, yeah, but yeah. I think the, the common denominator and Jed gave a lot of good advice that applies to both situations, but. I was kind of thinking of the overlap between those two things, and it is it does feel like it's the sheer number of things that need to happen in a small amount of time. Yeah. So how do we how do we stop that? No matter what those things are, I think both generally pointed out that, you know, it's it's kind of an elephant one bite at a time thing. But how do we stop from getting overwhelmed at the jump? Well, I, yeah, I think a big part of that is how you characterize what's what you're going through. Mm. So one of the things, you know, big overarching concept, uh when we're counseling someone, we're always talking about what is the story that you tell yourself mm-hmm. to make sense of what's going on? How do you describe to yourself what this is? If you look at this situation and say, it's a crisis, you go down a road of total unpleasantness. Yep. If you say, right. this is a challenge, it's a whole other road. Yep. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I don't like about crisis... Uh, thinking and being in a crisis mode is that um it it kind of uh it well it sucks that yes and uh people sometimes give you attention for it which kind of feels like maybe that's good and important but then when the crisis is over then you don't have anything whereas when if you face a challenge and you rise up to the challenge and you accomplish it when it, accomplish it when it's over you feel oh good yes you know there's a celebration there part of the what you're you're doing though is focusing on accomplishments right so this is about i got to accomplish this i got to accomplish this and you're turning a get to into a have to uh, you're saying I, I have to do this i have to do this i have to do this i have to accomplish this thing i have to accomplish this thing. first of all you, you actually don't have to you can be totally lazy and go into the woods and forage nuts and berries if you want. That's that's a choice. But uh, the thing about accomplishments if is if you don't, you know, Lee was talking about celebrating each step on the road to the accomplishment. If you don't do that, you won't celebrate the accomplishment yeah. when you get there. Yeah. Right. Uh, also, accomplishments don't lead to happiness. I don't know if I'm the first person to tell you that, but it definitely does not. Well, you uh, say that, but I've never seen unhappy people on a college campus, so check right. and mate. That's right. Yeah. The, the accomplishments, uh, if, you're, if you're going after that in order to achieve happiness, d- don't, because uh, it's <laughs> not going to work. Uh, what God wants to do is give you joy, and the point in time when he wants to give you joy is right the heck now. Right. Not later, not once you accomplish something, not once you've earned it. He just wants to give it to you now. Uh, a big part of what people are doing out there in the world is I'm going to try and distract myself from how unpleasant it is trying to achieve this accomplishment so I can get to the accomplishment so then I can feel good about myself. Forget all of that. What you need right now is the is joy 
in the midst of the tough circumstance and the tough challenge that you're facing. Here's another thing. Here's the thing about a challenge and crisis. I hear this a lot. You know, the world's a wonderful place, and I just have to try to be more wonderful so that I can accomplish all the things I need to accomplish. So I have to stop being a bad person and be part of the wonderful world and succeed. Okay, that's not true. The world sucks. The world sucks bad. The world is full of sucky things that are trying to suck you into their suckedness. The world is terrible. If you blame yourself for every little thing, you will start blaming yourself for stuff that clearly isn't your fault. I mean, yes. they're just, you know, you, you it takes you, us back to that self hating question. Exactly right. I mean, the, the, just awful things happen in life. And uh, some of that, yes, it's distantly connected to something that you did. And it's a consequence. Sometimes it's just life sucks. So, I have to see that as a challenge. Life is trying to drag me down because life sucks. I'm trying to beat life to the punch. I'm trying to overcome it. I'm trying to triumph over it. That gets me in a fighting mood. It gets me thinking strategically. It tells me I have to rise up, not just bear up under this crisis. Finally, here's a here's my big, big question on this one. Deep, deep question on it. Does God want your life to be easy? Does God want your life to be easy? I can answer that for myself very clearly at this point. He definitely does not want my life to be easy. And he and I disagree about that vehemently. (laughs) I definitely want my life to be easy. He does it. I I need to know why, and you need to know why. God could just make everything work out for us and everything just sunshine. And and, uh, I think that's what the next life will be like, uh, where things work out. But in this life, we have these problems and these challenges. Why is that? I think that's a good question for you to go to God and ask him and and listen for those answers. But I think it's going to have something to do with the idea of these challenges building strengths into you. And you're not building strength... When you're feeling sorry for yourself, that self-pity is poison, and it's going to end up taking you down. Uh, It's about finding that strength, getting that joy, and getting out there and fighting. Absolutely. That is all really fantastic stuff. If you would like to hear a little bit more about this, uh, this is also a similar topic to one we covered at The Bridge a couple weeks ago, and you hear Glenn's sermon on that on The Bridge podcast that came out last week, episode 241. That's what the children called synergy oh that's right we also do want to thank daniel biro pock nelson really fun talking to him the the record is available this friday april 6th everywhere you get music we're going to take out the song of our own and we are in the post easter phase Mm. Um, if you'd like to be the first to say he has risen for easter 2019 now's the time to to get it in because glenn will post it on facebook pretty soon he has risen 2020 oh Wow. Wow. Double preemptive. So we're going to take it out with one of my favorite Easter songs because I get to pick the music and there's nothing any of you can do about it. This is a song from Lee called Break of Day. Hope you all enjoy that. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Oh, say that. We stand on guard for thee. God, keep our podcast glorious and free. I hijacked your anthem, Canada. (laughs) He's so proud of himself. (laughs) 